ask you to take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to read from today, Luke chapter 2. When we think about our world, when we think about our nation, when we think about our culture that we live in today, from a Christian perspective, from a believer's perspective, we use certain terms to describe some of the struggle that is happening in our culture today. Often we use words like, it's a battle. It's a battle for our faith. It's a battle for the Bible. It's a battle for Christian values. We are fighting for our children. We are fighting for our family. We may use terms like spiritual warfare, that there's a warfare that is taking place and a battle for the heart and soul of America. And I think that's an apt term. It's an apt description. But have you ever paused to think of what the adversary, what the enemy, what Satan's plan of attack might be as he enters into this battle for faith, the Bible, Christian values, children, the family, the spiritual warfare in which we are engaged. Have you ever paused to think of what his plan of attack might be? Usually what would happen in an earthly sense, if there were nations that were going to war, what would happen is that the leaders of those nations, whether they're the political leaders or the military leaders, before that nation heads into battle, they would have some kind of assessment to see what the critical areas of need are on the enemy's side. They would try to recognize where their greatest strengths are, but what their vital areas might be. That if you removed these areas, If we were able to attack these areas and demolish these areas of vital importance, we might be able to win the war. We might be able to win the battle. And that's what those military minds would do. They would target those things that are vital to the other side's victory. And I imagine Satan is doing the same thing. As Satan seeks to battle the church as Satan seeks to destroy families, destroy faith, undermine the word of God, he would attack in those vital areas. And so the question on our minds is, what is, what are those vital areas in the life of the church? What are those vital things that if we stop speaking of them, that if we stop focusing on them, that if we stop announcing these things, then Satan has a likely chance of undermining the work of, his, of God's church. What are those things? Scripture? Well, of course, he wants to undermine the word of God. God's love, God's character, who God is, who Jesus is, of course he wants to undermine that. Of course he would like to tear down the thought of who Jesus is. He can't take Jesus away from who he is, but he can change the image in people's minds. What would Satan attack? He would try to attack the very plan of salvation itself. He would try to attack at the very heart of God's gift, which means that Christmas time has become a battlefield in a spiritual sense. Christmas time has become part of that 
battlefield where Satan is waging war in the heart and mind of the American people and the American church. And we have ceded some territory to him. We have given away ground. We have made Christmas about family. Now, I'm not saying family is a bad thing, but if family is the point of Christmas, Satan wins. If gift-giving is the point of Christmas, Satan wins. If Santa Claus is the point of Christmas, Satan wins. If it's about ribbons and tags, packages, boxes and bags, the Grinch is right. Christmas doesn't come. Satan has tried to make Christmas about anything other than Jesus Christ, and it's time that in the church we recapture Christmas. We have allowed this message to be taken over by a secular world, and we have got to recapture the message of Christmas. What better place to look than where the angels came announcing the very first time the birth of Christ. Here in Luke chapter 2, read with me starting at verse 1. It says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And he went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angels of the Lord, the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. And the proclamation of the angel was this. Do not fear. Behold, I bring you good tidings of a great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find this babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude, a legion of angels... And the angel multitude sang, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill to men. If we're going to recapture Christmas, this is a great place to begin. This announcement of the angels at the birth of Christ, when Mary and Joseph, they come, and they are registered there in their hometown, Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem, and Jesus is born, and with his birth, where he's born in the manger, the announcement, the pronouncement of the angels, and what they say here is a reminder to us of what we need to do to recapture Christmas. If we in the church are going to recapture Christmas today, there are five things that the angels spoke to the shepherds then that still echo across the millennia from when they've made the first announcement. These are the things that we must do to recapture Christmas. If we want to recapture Christmas, we must do these five things that was spoken to the shepherds. And here they are. First of all, if we're going to recapture Christmas, we've got to begin by letting go of our fear. We've got to begin by letting go of our fear. 
little girl came in to ask her dad. She walked in and said, Daddy, are, are you afraid of snakes? No, honey, I'm not afraid of snakes. What, are you afraid of spiders? No, I'm not afraid of spiders. Well, are, are you afraid of those big, long, slimy, wiggly worms that you sometimes see when it rains hard and they get all in the puddles? Are you afraid of those? No, I'm not afraid of those either, honey. The girl stood there for a moment, and she looked at her dad, and she said, huh, so I guess the only thing you're really afraid of is mama then, right? <laughs> you know, somewhere in here, we better admit that we deal with a lot of fear. I'm not afraid. I know what you're thinking. I'm not afraid. We're kind of like the dad who brags a little bit. Oh, I'm not scared of that, honey. But we are people filled with fear. Not convinced? How many of you worry about your finances? How many of you worry about your retirement, that you'll have enough to last? How many of you worry that by the time you get to the age of Social Security, there won't be anything there? How many of you worry that somewhere in there you're going to get sick, ill, maybe have a stroke, have some kind of heart attack, be debilitated, be in a nursing home for some length of time, have a lengthy illness? How many of you are afraid that somewhere in this process, your family may fall apart. Your marriage may fall apart. How many of you are afraid that your children won't turn out the way that you want? You're afraid of the election that's coming up. You're afraid of those who are running for the candidacy. You're afraid of the future. You're afraid of clowns. You're afraid of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth, which is a real fear, by the way, or phobia. We're consumed with fear. I read an interesting article yesterday. Interesting article online. You can't believe everything you read online. But, of course, this was just, you know, one of those that kind of struck a chord with me. We are a year away from the election. Did you know that the number of those who are attending a session with a therapist because they're afraid of what's going to happen next November with the election, that it is tripled. People are so afraid 11 months out of who's going to be chosen as the next president. Oh, my goodness. We are people just making up things to be afraid of. And here's what the angel said. Quit being Afraid. Don't fear. Now, it could be that the angel was saying that to this group of shepherds because they're standing out in a field and there's a sheep, and all of a sudden there is this mighty angelic warrior standing in front of him. He says, Hold on, don't be afraid. But it could be that he's speaking to everything about their lives. Why are you so afraid of this? Why are you so afraid of that? Why are you so afraid of that thing over there? Why are you so afraid of what's coming up next week? You don't have to anymore. You've got Jesus. It's time for us in the church to let go of our fear. I don't have to be afraid. Afraid of dying? 
Oh no, I'm not afraid of dying because I know what happens after I leave here. I get to go running down the streets of heaven on those streets of gold. I get to see my Jesus. I get to be reunited with those people of faith who have passed on before me. I'm not afraid. We don't need to be afraid. Now, I might be a little afraid of how it's going to happen. But even that, I don't need to worry about because God's got that under control. Do not fear. Christmas is the one time of year that we ought to be reminded over and over and over again. What are you so afraid of? What are you so afraid of? Why are you so afraid? Jesus is here. Now, along with that, the angels speak and they say, the angel speaks and says, fear not. Verse 10, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings, good news of a great joy which shall be to all people. To recapture Christmas, we've got to let go of our fear but we also must rediscover the joy found in Jesus. We must rediscover the joy found in Jesus. Now, this ties in with letting go of our fear, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's possible to let go of our fear, but still not have joy. It's possible. It's possible to not be afraid but still have no joy either. Pastor Paul Thigpen years ago wrote this article for a Discipleship Journal. He said, I remember coming home one afternoon to discover that the kitchen which I had cleaned while my wife was cleaning other parts of the house, I had worked so hard to clean only a few hours before, was now a terrible wreck. My first thought was, where is my wife? And why has she let my daughter do this? My young daughter had obviously been busy cooking. And the ingredients were scattered along with dirty bowls and utensils, and they were all across the counters, even on the floor. He said, I was not happy with the situation at all. And then as I looked a little more closely at the mess, I saw a little note on the table. And it was written in a four-year-old's hand. And it was misspelled, and it was smeared with chocolatey fingerprints, and the message said, I'm making something for you, Dad, your angel. He said, in the midst of that disarray, despite my irritation, joy suddenly sprang up in my heart, sweet and pure. My attention had been redirected from the problem to the little girl I loved. As I encountered her in that brief note, even among the mess, I delighted in her. Now listen. We talk about rediscovering joy. We talk about rediscovering joy in our lives. We gotta let go of the fear. But oftentimes we're we're left with this question, what what do I really have to be joyful about? Well, often the only change that really needs to occur is that we need to refocus. 
that our focus needs to change. Just like the dad that comes home and finds the mess and there's his daughter and he realizes that he's doing something for her. The only thing that changes is the focus of the situation. The only thing that needs to change for most of us is the focus of the situation. Many of us tend to focus on all the things that are wrong instead of seeing most of the things that are right. We tend to see all those things that we're lacking instead of all the things that we do have. We tend to see all of the ways that we have failed instead of all the ways that the Lord has helped us to succeed. If we're going to rediscover our joy, for many of us, what we've got to do is we've got to have a change in focus. As the angel came and spoke to the shepherds, he said, fear not, Jesus is here. Fear not, the Savior has come. You don't need to be afraid of me. You don't need to be afraid of that. You don't need to be afraid of anything. Jesus has come. But now I want to give you good news of a great joy. It's time to focus on this being settled. Now God's fulfilled his promise. Now we have the fulfillment of thousands of years of prophecy. Now Christ has come. Now the one who Isaiah spoke about. Now the one that was prophesied who would be the root of Jesse. He's been born. Good news of a great joy. It's time to change our focus. Hey, this Christmas, if we find that Christmas isn't all that we had hoped it would be, we find little joy, We find little reason to celebrate. Part of the problem may be in where our eyes are aimed. To recapture Christmas, we've got to rediscover the joy that's found in Jesus. Bring you good tidings of a great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. To recapture Christmas, we must embrace our Savior and our Lord. You know, some people, some people have difficulties with Jesus as Savior. There are people out there that don't want to hear about their need for a Savior. There are people out there that are closed off because of their unbelief. They don't believe that there is a God. They don't believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. They, there are some people out there that have difficulty with Jesus as Savior. They feel that they don't need a Savior. They feel that they're not a sinner. They feel that they're not in need of grace. There are people like that out there, plenty of people like that. There are some people that don't think that they need a Savior, have difficulty with Jesus as Savior. However, most people, including many believers, have difficulty with Jesus as Lord. Some people have difficulty with Jesus as Savior. I would say that most of us in here don't, or else you wouldn't be here today. 
Most of us don't have a problem with Jesus as Savior. Most of us have confessed Christ as our Savior and Lord. Most of us have placed our faith in Jesus as the Savior of our lives. And we come this time of year because we want to celebrate and acknowledge this gift that God has given. For there is good news, good tidings of a great joy. For to you today is born a Savior, Jesus the Lord. It's not the Savior part that most of us have a problem with. It's the Lord part. Many of us who are believers and trust in Jesus Christ and accepted him as our Savior and Lord, our Savior at least, still struggle with the Lordship, still struggle with yielding, with giving Christ control. Which raises the question, is Jesus Lord? of my life, seeing complete control, giving daily direction to the one who I go to each day to seek his direction and instruction? Is he Lord of my job? Is he Lord of my business? Is he Lord of my time? Is he Lord of my finances? Is he Lord of my family? See, if we're gonna recapture Christmas, We can't leave out one of the key parts of the story. Jesus didn't just come to be Savior. Jesus just didn't come to just set us free from our sin and then turn us loose to do whatever we want to again. Jesus came to be Savior and Lord. He came to be Savior to save us from our sin, but also to give direction and purpose to our lives. Whereas many of us think that we can add more direction and more purpose to our lives than what Christ actually can, the good news is that unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior is born, Christ the Lord. We're going to recapture Christmas. We've got to let go of our fear. We've got to stop being afraid. Jesus is who we have. We must rediscover the joy that we found in Jesus. We must embrace our Savior and our Lord. Verse 12, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, with the angel, was a multitude of the heavenly hosts, and they were praising God, and they sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest. Praise to our God on high. We want to exalt the name of our God on high. We want to give him praise. We want to honor and acknowledge him. If we're going to recapture Christmas, we've got to focus on giving praise instead of getting gifts. Now, most of us in here, we spent some time thinking about Christmas gifts this year. Many of us have paid a lot of attention to gift giving and some gift getting. We've been thinking about the gifts that we want to give our, our family, our kids, our friends, our parents. We've spent a little bit of time thinking about the gift part of Christmas, the gift giving. But if we want to recapture Christmas, we've got to spend more time on praise instead of gifts. 
And I think that part of the problem is that somehow we've convinced ourselves there just isn't that much to praise God for. There just isn't that much for us to, to thank God for. There just isn't that much for us to honor him for. Now, I, I want to do a little test. And just, to, just humor me, okay? Humor me. I, I want to do a little test. I want you, just right here, I want you to call out something that you can praise God for. Okay, this, this isn't working well. The calling out part means that you need to say something. Okay, uh, humor me. I want you to call it. Just call it. Don't, it doesn't matter if somebody else is saying something or not. Just call out. What, what do you have to praise God for? Is that it? What else you got to praise him for? What else you got to praise him for? Say it loud enough because you know this person over here may think that they don't have something to praise God for. Or this person back there may think that they don't have something to praise God for. What do you have to praise God for? (laughs) You see... When we stop and think about some of the things that I have to praise God for, the list just goes on and on. And I can say, well, it's everything, but what does everything mean? I can praise God that I got up this morning, that I'm being seen, not viewed. I can praise God this morning that my feet worked when they hit the floor. I can praise God this morning that I had a floor to walk on and a roof over my head. I can praise God this morning that I had running water when I went to get in the shower. I can praise God this morning that there was coffee in the coffee pot when I went to stick my cup in there. I can praise God that there was some cereal to put in the bowl. I can praise God that I had a coat to put on before I walked outside into the cold weather. I can praise God that I had a car that started when I turned the key. I I can praise God that when I got here after not running into anybody and no Nobody running into me that I was able to walk into a church where I'm with fellow believers and I can acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And that's just in the last couple of hours. We've got to focus on praise. We've become so obsessed with the material part of Christmas that we forget that the greatest gifts that we're given have nothing to do with things. Now I have, through Christ, Hope, joy, peace. I have a Savior, a Lord who has a plan for my life and knows what's going on even if I don't. And he's got a destination already reserved for me. He's got a room set aside for me in his father's mansion where I get to go when I'm done here. I have so much to be thankful for. I have so much to praise him for. If we're going to recapture Christmas, if we're going to steal it back from Satan, we've got to stop focusing so much on things and recognize what the Lord has given us that money can't buy. Recapture Christmas. We've got to seek peace and goodwill with others. 
suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. They were praising God, shouting out, glory to God, glory on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Peace and goodwill from our Father who has given us this gift of salvation through Christ, but also the possibility of peace and goodwill between mankind. You see, part of the message of Christmas is that Christ came to bring peace on earth That there's the potential, there's the possibility now that those barriers that separate, whether they be barriers of race, barriers of gender, barriers of, of language, whether they be barriers of preference, whether they be denominational barriers, whatever they may be, that now through Jesus Christ we have the hope of finding peace with each other and with the Lord. It's a battleground. This is a battleground. Yes, we are at war. And we've got to be careful not to let Christmas become about food, or family, no matter how good they may be. We've got to be careful not to let Christmas become something about gifts, but about Christ. Because if Christmas becomes anything other than Christ, Satan begins to win on this battlefield. To recapture Christmas, it's time for us to let go of our fear, rediscover our joy. It's time for us to recognize the Savior and Lord that Jesus is. It's time for us to focus on giving praise instead of getting things and seeking peace with our Lord and with each other. That's how we win this battle. In Christ's name, let's pray. Father, today, thank you that we get to share together. We get to praise together. And we get to study together. We get to encourage each other. Find peace with you, but also peace with each other. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to recapture this special day. Because when we lose focus on this gift, the gift of a Savior, gift of a Lord, the gift of God incarnate, Jesus in the flesh, come to save the world from their sin. When we lose sight of that, we have given ground to the enemy. Lord, this Christmas, help us recapture 
that which has been lost. And we pray this in Jesus' strong name.